Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. Good morning, everybody. I see a number of faces who we haven't seen in a while and some new faces. It is wonderful for that to be the case. I, uh, Patsy and I were out, of course, last Sunday, enjoying ourselves. I want to I say something about um, the pastor's search as well, and a gentleman, Pastor James, uh, who you'll get to meet in a couple of weeks. I am extremely, extremely excited about him. And it has been utterly amazing. When we, before we even started, we started looking at, you know, how do you do a pastor search? We were scared to death. It has an independent Bible church with no real, you know, denominational affiliation. How do you, how do you, how do you come up with a pastor? Well, we were overwhelmed, and we had really and truly a lot of quality candidates and even to this day I am still getting an email about once a week from somebody who's just learning and hoping that they can get in under the wire and and I have to tell them it's too late but folks want to come to this community fellowship church that the Lord has helped us bring together we have a lot of great things going for us You know, we're a collection of people who want to see Jesus move and make a difference in this community, and pastors want to be a part of that. So uh, I'm looking forward to welcoming Pastor James here in a couple of weeks. In fact, I'm going to spend some time with him this Friday, kind of helping him kind of get the lay of the land here. So looking forward to that. I want to mention... We've had uh, one of our prisoners, Helen Vrana, in some, some sad situations. Once the, uh, we've got some good reports back. Both Patsy and Sharon have each separately visited her. She is now at Baymore in Rosenberg, which is a kind of an extended care facility, and she's doing well. Her frame of mind, last time I talked to you, she had a pretty bad frame of mind. Uh, Sharon caught her playing bingo and having a good time. So praise God for that. That's what we were asking for. She still needs some restoration, but we're, we're looking forward to her getting stronger and better. So we had some wonderful adventures, Patsy and I did. Uh, uh, the swords, we were doing the things out in Big Bend that you just can't do here. We were going on half-day long hikes, some, some even longer than that. Our longest one was 11 miles, 
And uh, I want to tell you, many of you know Patsy as the sweet, wonderful, kind, loving woman that she is. But she's also tough and rugged and strong. And uh, she's always on our hikes. She's always saying, Ronald, you might want to think about getting a, a male companion to start walking, doing these hikes with you. And I always say, I can't do any more than what you're doing. <laughs> she's, she's a pretty amazing woman. We hiked a total of 55 miles in seven days and with an elevation gain of over 6,000 feet. That's some serious hiking for uh, a 64-year-old. So, praise God. I am so thankful for Patsy and all she's able to do and that God has given, granted us to, the health to be able to do those kind of things and to continue serving him in these ways, too. Uh, we are thankful to be back home. It reminds me of uh, what Dorothy had to say when, he was, when she was coming back from Oz. Remember? There's no place like home. There's no place like home, and there really isn't. There's no place like East Bernard to call home either. So, uh, praise God. So, today we are taking up not just one, but two I am statements from the Gospel of John. Uh, you might remember some three Sundays ago, I think, we started into a sermon series, the I Am series from the Gospel of John. John uses seven I Am statements to, to basically deliver to us who Jesus is. Um, and we had a little bit of an intermission in that last week. Praise God, I understand Pastor Cersei really challenged uh, some of you last week with the possibility that there might be some idolatry going on in your lives that maybe you weren't even aware of. So I pray and hope that maybe some of you might have had uh, a wake-up call through his sermon. I appreciate him coming. He's always very gracious about coming and filling the pulpit when I am not here for some reason. I do want to mention that uh, Pastor James, assuming he continues to be the one that folks are confirmed as, uh, as our pastor, it will be the fall, the, uh, you know, the time when school starts, when he would be here on a permanent basis. Uh, I'm sure he will be here occasionally through the summer, but he had a busy summer planned already at his home church and other responsibilities. So uh, he won't be starting officially uh, if confirmed as pastor until about the time that school starts. So you're still going to be getting uh, fed by me uh, a bit in the meantime. And we'll have plenty of time to finish up the I Am series. So this morning it is I Am the Gate and I Am the Good Shepherd. I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. Now, why on earth am I doing two? Well, they both come from John chapter 10, and they're so intermingled in that chapter 10 discourse of Jesus that it's, it's difficult to separate, and I would have ended up repeating myself a lot, doing them in separate sermons. So we're doing them together. I want to remind us, though, because it's been a couple of Sundays, I want to remind us what John had to say about why he wrote 
his gospel. And in, in John chapter 20, verse 31, he said, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why John wrote his gospel. He wrote that we might feed on Jesus as the bread of life. That was the first I am. He wrote that we might allow his light, the light of the world. That was the second I am, his light to dispel the darkness in our lives. He wrote that we might enter through the gate, through Jesus, that we might be saved because that is the only gate. He is the only gate through which we can be saved. That's one of today's I am. He wrote that we might hear and follow the good shepherd, another of today's I am's. He wrote that we might not fall prey to the idols and false teachers that, 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 that tempt this confused, broken world and that instead we might follow the true shepherd. Before we even get into our main passages, though, uh, I want to familiarize us a little bit with sheep and shepherds, right? So, be, this is not new in Scripture, right? Sheep and shepherds are talked about throughout the entire Bible. Uh, in fact, I'm gonna, I want to expose us to three different psalms. Psalm 79, 13 says, Then we, your people, the sheep of your pastor, will praise you forever from generation to generation. We'll proclaim your praise. Then Psalm 95, 7 says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Psalm 100, verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So, and most of you are familiar with Psalm 23, right? I am the good shepherd. Uh, anyway, we're going to get into that a little bit in just a minute. Clearly, we are the sheep of God's pasture. He made us, and we are his. He made us to be his sheep. He made us in such a way that we are to relate to and depend on him in the same way that sheep relate to and depend on their shepherd. And sheep and shepherds are really not a part of our culture here, right? We, it's rare to see, especially here in East Bernard, unless you're an FFA or 4-H, right? <laughs> Anybody here raised a, a, a sheep uh, in FFA or 4-H? Okay, that's, yeah, there's a couple, okay. What can you tell me about Sheep. What, what should we know about sheep? <laughs> they're dumb. Somebody, okay, somebody said they're dumb, all right. <laughs> they're stubborn, okay. What's that one? They travel in herds. They stay together for the most part. Uh, they really don't go off by themselves unless, well, there are a few foolish ones that do. 
So let's put up, uh, you know, I wanted, I, I skipped a little bit here, but put up the slide called Shepherds and Goats, okay? Yes, there we go. So when Patsy and I were traveling in Israel in 2017, uh, even today, there are still shepherds that wander with their sheep. There are no fences to amount to anything in Israel still. And you can be traveling down a highway on a bus and look out there and, and see this scene with no fence between you and those. In this case, it's goats, but there's a shepherd kind of dressed in traditional garb, but it also was not unusual to sh see shepherds in blue jeans and button-down shirts and bandanas on their heads. So uh, this way of life is still common in the Middle East. And there are, uh, once again, it's very different. You look out there and you don't, you don't really see grass, not green grass anyway. And it was, it was just a marvel to think, how on earth are these sheep survive, and it's because the shepherd knows precisely where to take them to find the small bits of grass that there are scattered among which rocks and rocky soil. It's amazing to, to see. So somebody mentioned sheep are dumb. What I understand is sheep are not necessarily dumb, but they are very vulnerable, weak, and defenseless. And they tend to have one-track minds. They focus on the grass in front of them, and they will potentially graze all day from one blade of grass to another in such a way that at the end of the day, they're lost. They don't have a clue where they're at. They don't get the bigger picture. In fact, they'll graze themselves right off from a cliff. I, I, that probably does qualify as dumb. I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> They are helpless individuals. They need the protection of a shepherd or a 4-H member or FFA member. <laughs> they, they have no ability to protect themselves. They have nothing. Noth just, they just exist, right? They eat, produce wool, <laughs> and uh, uh, that's about it. If they feel threatened, like Deborah said, they, they huddle together. They don't run away. They just all gather together, so they're all easy prey. Sheep will drown in moving water, even though they can swim. They, they hate, they're fearful of moving water. That's why in Psalm 23, you find, well, I'm getting ahead of myself again, but... He leads us beside still waters. He leads us beside still waters because sheep, they will only drink from still waters. Sheep are totally dependent on a shepherd to tend them with care and compassion, and there is a personal bond that connects the shepherd with his sheep. Sheep know the shepherd's voice. It's said to this day that several flocks of sheep can be gathered into one sheepfold for the night or at one hot watering hole during the day. And when it's time to separate them, the shepherd merely has to call to his sheep and they come to him because they know his voice. Let's get into our passage for today. John chapter 10, 
We're going to start with verse 1. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees at this time. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. He's essentially calling the Pharisees thieves and robbers because they're the folks climbing in by another way. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. Who do you think the gatekeeper is? The gatekeeper is God, our Heavenly Father. He opens the gate for Jesus, the shepherd, and only for Jesus. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech because the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Of course they didn't, because they hadn't recognized Jesus as the shepherd that he was. Verse 7, therefore Jesus said again, since they didn't get it, he's kind of repeating it in a different way. Jesus says again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's making it very plain. He is the only way in and out of this sheepfold, the sheepfold that belongs to the Heavenly Father, that the Heavenly Father rules over and maintains who gets to come and go, but he's given that authority to Jesus as both the Good Shepherd and the Gate. So the father and son are working in tandem, tending and caring for the sheep of their pasture. The father opens the gate to the son only. The sheep know and respond to the son as their good shepherd. From verse 1 and from life itself, we know there are others who seek to lead us as God's sheep astray. They are the ones who climb the fence instead of going in by way of Jesus, the gate. They are the false religions of this world. They are the idols that Haynes talked about last week. They are all kinds of things, some looking very good, uh, masquerading even as very moral 
a lot of false religions have, let's just say, are filled with very moral people. You know, moral people go to hell. It's because it's not about how good you are. Because you can never be good enough. It doesn't matter how good you are. You still are sinful. You still have sinful thoughts. You cannot get there by those false methods. Those moral methods. You cannot make yourself good enough. Only Jesus. He is the only way into the Father's sheepfold. You have to enter through him. You don't get to climb over and get in on your own accord. That's not an option. It's not an option. Let's go on to verse 11. I am the good shepherd. There's his second clear statement. I am for today. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So the good shepherd, the good shepherd, puts the sheep ahead of his own life. Now, in actuality, I doubt there are many shepherds who are going to die for their sheep, right? And, of course, we're not talking about sheep here, are we? We're talking about people. We're talking about us. And as Timothy pointed out during communion, Jesus died. He shed his blood. His body was broken for us. He did it willingly. He wasn't made to do that. It may have looked to some of the Jews present as if Jesus didn't have a choice. Oh, he had a choice. He did it willingly because he knew he was paying the price for our sins. He was making it possible for us to enter that gate. He was opening the gate for us. Right? So, even though we can't climb the wall, here's an open gate for us. We just have to be willing to walk through it. We have to be willing to say, Jesus, yes, thank you. I believe you are my good shepherd. I believe you died for me. You did all of this for me. Thank you. I can't be good enough, but praise God, you allow me to be seen as good enough through you. Verse 14, Jesus drives this home. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as a father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Who do you think those other sheep were? It's, it's us, right? This is Gentiles. These were, these were Jews that he was talking to at the time. He's talking here about the Gentiles. He's got other sheep all over the world that he's going to pull into one, one 
flock with one shepherd. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. Not a whole bunch of flocks. Not a whole bunch of ways. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. See what I'm saying? He wasn't forced to do that. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. He's saying this to the Pharisees before it all happens. He's telling them what's going to happen. He's going to lay his... It's going to look to the Pharisees as if they're getting their will done, you know, getting rid of this troublemaker, when in actuality it's Jesus laying his own life on the altar for them and for us and for any who will hear and respond to his voice. Not all respond to his voice. There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of voices out there clamoring for our attention, clamoring to tell us what we should do with our lives. But there's only one good shepherd, only one gate. None of the others matter. Those are the thieves and villains that Satan is seeking to use to destroy our possibility, our freedom to enter through the gate that is Jesus Christ. Patsy and I have had the privilege over the years to travel to a number of different areas on Christian missions. And one of the most, I mean, the, not one of, the most fantastic thing to discover in each one of these places has been the camaraderie there is between all people who call on the name of the Lord. All people who hear the voice of the shepherd, all people who are following the good shepherd. There is an immediate family-like relationship. I mean, and you can, you, it's, it's almost palpable. Folks who don't even speak your language, you know, who are an entirely different culture, and they discover that you are a follower of Jesus like them, and it's like immediately you're a member of their family. This happens. We've been to South Africa, Swaziland, Guatemala, uh, the Yucatan, Eagle Lake, Lissy, Wallace, Needville. <laughs> They're all mission fields, right? Everywhere you go, when you meet another true brother or sister in Christ, it's, it's like you've got another family member. That's what it's like to be a part of the one flock following the one good shepherd who is 
calling every last one of us. From Psalm 23, verse 4, we find this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is this rod and staff? And why is the rod and staff comforting? So shepherds had a rod and a staff. They were always close by. The rod was sort of a, it's, it's sort of a shorter stick, not as long as the staff, and it would tend to have a heavier end, and it could be used as a club to beat off wild animals. It could also be used as a tool for giving direction to the sheep or for poking the sheep and give them a little prod to move along and catch up with the rest of the crew. So it was never used to beat the sheep, though. It was never a tool of discipline. And then there was the staff, which was longer, and it had a crook at the end. The staff's purpose was to be able for the shepherd to go and hook the sheep where somehow to pull it out of the trouble that it got itself into, right? So it, too, was not a tool of punishment. It was a tool for directing and protecting and bringing along uh, perhaps the reluctant sheep or the ones that wandered away from the herd. So if Jesus is the good shepherd, what are his rod and staff? What would be his rod and staff? I think, I think, I think it's the word of God. It's the word of God that he uses to do precisely the things that the rod and the staff of a shepherd do. You see, when you get into the word the Holy Spirit starts prodding you, starts directing you, starts giving you that which you need to feel protected from the enemies that are otherwise seeking to kill and destroy us as Satan would seek to do. And the Holy Spirit began speaking, starts saying things like, danger, Danger, don't watch that. Don't go be a part of that. Come here to me. I'll give you rest. Sit here. Let me put my arm around you. Love you. Come, feed on me. Feed on me the bread of life. Let me nourish you with that which will bring you peace, wholeness, and happiness. Come follow me. I have great plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. These are the good shepherd's words. They are his rod and staff. That he comforts, directs, protects, 
and leads us with. Come taste his living water. Be renewed and refreshed. Do you hear the good shepherd's voice? Do you even listen for the good shepherd's voice? And if you do, can you hear it above the noise and the static that you have allowed into your lives? Sometimes you have to be intentional and go just... It's not, I'm not talking a physical knob, but you've got to turn the static and the noise down. You've got to get in your own quiet, private place and listen, listen, listen. Because the good shepherd is calling you. The good shepherd wants you to follow him. The good shepherd wants to lead you beside still waters. He wants to take you to green pastures. He wants to restore your soul. Won't you let him be your good shepherd? Won't you listen to him and follow him? He's there for you. He always has been. And he always will be. He paid, he willingly paid the price for your sin. Don't waste that. Don't waste that. Let him make a difference in your life. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you inspired John to write his gospel. Thank you that John has been so good at revealing to us who Jesus wants to be in and for each one of us. Father, work in us that we might be that that we might be the kind of sheep that hears the good shepherd's voice and responds and follows and goes to the still waters with him, goes to all of the places he leads, even those that may not seem like they're all that peaceful. Thank you for loving us enough to send Jesus, and to give him the authority to lay his life down for us and take it back up again. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.